Scott Pollock. Remember the name? Scotty P is someone that will always be a huge part of hashtag history. The first ever Academy winner, aged just 16, he bagged man of the match at the Wembley Cup, going toe-to-toe with Steven Gerrard. When I was subbed on, I was like, right, this is it. No need to be nervous anymore. But his prodigious talent wasn't appreciated by every ex-professional he faced up against. But yeah, it kicked off and he basically lost his head with you because you were too good. And he didn't, he like, he, he elbowed you. I'm pretty sure he elbowed you. After hashtag, Scott signed pro terms at Northampton Town, faced Wayne Rooney in the FA Cup, won the club's young player of the season and helped them to League One. His journey then took him to the highest tiers of non-league, scoring for fun at Boston and securing a deal at an ambitious Yeovil town. But all wasn't as it seemed. Being really honest, the club made it sort of aware that we don't think it's going to be sustainable. With speculations over different ownerships and stuff, you, you don't know where, you, where your job lies. If you suddenly go part-time, it's not enough money, then you're going to have to get another job. Yeah, it's probably one of the trickiest situations I've been in as a player in my career. With injury issues behind him, Scott is raring to go again, eager to prove he's got what it takes to make it back to the football league. But what has he learned in his early years in football? And what lessons can he share as a young player making his way in the game? How does he think a football club should be run? Hello guys, welcome to another episode of How to Run a Football Club. Really excited for this one. We've got Scott Pollock on the show. If you're familiar with Hashtag United or even just football, really, in recent years, you'll probably know Scott Pollock's story, came through the Academy series, ended up going pro of Northampton, and we're going to catch up on everything that's happened over the last sort of five years. He's 22 years old now and he's already had a lot of stories he's picked up in his football career. So looking forward to catching up with Scott and sharing this one with you. Don't forget to drop us a follow wherever you're listening. It does help us. Also leave a rating if you're enjoying it and it will help us uh, keep doing them for you. So without further ado, let's hear from Scotty P. All right, mate, how you doing? And welcome back to How to Run a Football Club. I've got a very special guest with me today. Not to say that my brother Seb isn't special. He's more of a regular but the man next to him, Scott Bloody Pollock, is back. Remember the name. If you don't know, and you would have seen a little bit about Scott's career and our little opening there, this man is a man that's very close to our heart, Seb. Absolutely. We found him on the streets of, of Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> in the favelas. <laughs> what was it? Actually, it was London, really, wasn't it? It was a trial you came to in London. Yeah, yeah, the back streets of London. Back streets yeah, of somewhere like yeah. South London or somewhere, I think it was. <laughs> and 16 years of age and won the Academy series, which is like... One of the best projects we do, but also that first year was probably the best year of yeah, it. magical. We had like 20,000 applicants for that season, which is mad. And so many good players probably that like, I didn't even invite to trials because I, I just couldn't go through them all. But obviously Scott not only came down, impressed it, impressed us, won it. And then, you know, not just because of that, but because of the talent this young man has since then has gone on to, to create an honest little football career in professional football. And we want to talk about that, basically. I want to do a little bit of a recap in everything that's happened post-hashtag. We'll talk a little bit about the, the glory days, as I like to call them, and really the lowest level of football you <laughs> have ever played and will ever play. But for me, they're the glory the highest. days. highest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we played the same team, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all of us Absolutely, three. we did. That is yeah. mad. And that's the beauty of football, isn't it? But yeah, and then just find out, you know, this is ultimately how to run a football club. So as, mu- as much as I want to catch up with you, I also want to dip into what you've learned about good football teams, because you've played for a few now in, in the sort of last four or five years. And what makes it good from a player perspective? You know, so it's our first active, you know, contracted player here on the podcast. And we want to, we want to have a little chat. But first things first, how the hell are you? I'm all good. It's good to be back. It is. Good to be back. Good to see you both. 
Absolutely. I'm doing okay. You've never really been away from hashtag. You, you've been very good at that, I have to say. You've always come back and supported us, you know, at, whether it's at games. You came back and helped us in the other hashtag Academy series as well, which is massive because you were a massive, you know, like example for those people that are entering. I basically want to be the next Scott Pollock. And we yeah. we have milked that, haven't we? Like, oh, how yeah. many times have we gone <laughs> yeah. like, be the next Scott Pollock? I mean, we, we might have many other one. YouTubers with some of the titles and thumbnails well, yeah, over yeah, the yeah, years yeah. as well. But you've been in some big YouTube videos, big not videos. even associated with us as well. Like, you've done some massive stuff as yeah. well, which is great. So, okay, you're currently, this, like, we're going to go like, in chrono- chronological order at some point, but just to give an overview of the current situation, Yeovil, mm-hmm. which is a massive club, Huge club. Yeah. where you're currently playing, National League South right now, top of it, you're currently injured at the moment, you haven't mm-hmm. played this season, but what's the current situation? Yeah, so some people probably would have seen on my Insta, gave a little update about five weeks ago, I had surgery on my knee to get rid of a little floating bone which was causing me quite a bit of pain. So, so how does that happen? Like, how did, when did you find out there was a floating bone in there? And how does that even become a thing? To be fair, not for a while. Really? Yeah. After the season finished, I was like, right, I need to get this sorted. We'll have an MRI. Yeah. Seen a specialist. Didn't get picked up. They didn't I, see it? They didn't know what didn't it was there? It, no, it didn't tell me. And then seen another specialist. Didn't tell me. You it, just assume, don't you, that I you know. see a specialist yeah. and they're going to sort you out? That's been yeah. the most frustrating thing is that Scott, you know, not been able to play much football this year as he obviously wants to. And all because of this little bit of bone. Yeah. You just don't know it's there. You go and see people. You think yeah. you're going to come up with injuries. Some people think, you oh, know, what's going on with this knee? Don't know what's happening with it. Then you get the MRI all clear. What the hell's going on there? And eventually to find out there's just this tiny bit of bone. Quite a simple procedure you had as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they just went in, took it out, took this bone out and then just yeah. sewed you up. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. to sort it out. He did say it was going to be a bit more complicated, but it turned out it was easier than expected right. so recovery time is probably two or three weeks less than what it would have been okay yeah i'm fascinated with with the act of buying a player or being sold or whatever and what you go through in that you know so i mean seb i know you've been a big part of it so how did it all happen yeah well look scott was absolutely smashing it at boston and there was a lot of interest in scott to go and move on to a higher level and play there's opportunities all over the place international offers as well really um, yeah it's, it's very exciting time i mean scott was playing in midfield and he was top goal scorer at one point in the league for boston i mean so, i've got the stats that's uh, unbelievable 16 goals in 32 games like that yeah. is outrageous for a striker really and you weren't a striker like and you you're on set pieces i know you got a good free kick on you as well you're taking penalties pens as well does yeah. help to help yeah. the stats. You, it's the yeah. guy you want in your fpl team <laughs> no, yeah, right yeah. now yeah. he's yeah. the first name of the yeah. team sheet in that so yeah look there's a lot of interest and Yeovil obviously been a massive club. They it looked very much as though they were being taken over by yeah, new owners, remember, yeah. and the Ugly family were to be taken over at Yeovil. Yeah. So there was a, an agent who was representing Yeovil, looking to buy some players in. Yeovil was sort of towards the relegation zone, looking to sort of solidify their league position, and we're looking at Scott as one of those players. Our first thought was, look, could be unbelievable, but should we wait and see? how they get on and make sure they stay up first. You enjoying yeah. it at Boston, doing really well. Boston didn't want to let you go. Towards Coming towards the end of the season as well, so it didn't feel like the right time. But then there was, a, let's be honest about it, there was an opportunity that came in from Yeovil that was just probably like an amazing opportunity to join a massive club, be a part of something, new ownership. Yeovil's history, I mean, we know a little bit about it through... through uh, Nathan Smith. Yes. Yeah, so, we, we have Yeovil's record appearance maker at Hashtag right yeah. now, you know. And he's been unbelievable this and year. And I actually spoke mate. to Nathan at the time. I spoke to him and said, like, what did you say? Like, amazing club, amazing people, great place. Uh, he obviously knew a lot about it. So it seemed like a really good time. There's an amazing opportunity to go down there. 
for Scott to play for a huge club amongst this period, difficult period in the club's history, but on the dawn of this new yeah. new world. Yeah, there's, mm. we're spending a lot of money, exciting project to be part of. Yeah, thinking about getting back into League Two, maybe and all that. Like not that year because it was a relegation crap at that yeah. point, but the season after that. What goes through your head when? I mean, people don't know you're like Northampton-based, like born and bred, like sort of area. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Boston. What was the journey to Boston like? Were you were you, you weren't staying in Boston, were you? Staying no, no, there? we're, we're part time, so it was yeah. two nights a week training and obviously game on a Saturday. So it was a bit of commuting today. What was the, what was the drive? About an hour and forty to the stadium. Okay, I mean they trained up in Doncaster, so right? A, bit a couple further. of hours, yeah. Okay, and then what happened? What so when you're suddenly when Yeovil come in the conversation? Was there ever a conversation about whether you could do that staying at home? Is it no? You need to move to Yeovil. What does that look like? What, that would yeah, be the first experience for that for you because obviously been at Northampton before it's down the road. Yeah, I know you, you kind of take it for granted when you're at Northampton and I'm 15 minutes away from the training ground and you've got players coming in from everywhere and they're moaning about the travelling and you're thinking... Sounds right to me. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, when they're obviously a full-time team like Yeovil, I know that it's a commitment Yeah. to either move down there or even go down there Monday, Tuesday, come back on your day off. Right. But you know, you're down there early on a Thursday yeah. and a Friday. So, yeah, it's a lot to a lot to think about when you're still quite young like myself and yeah. you're moving away from home. Does the, the club help time. with stuff like that? Like, do they, is there like digs you can go in or is it like they might say, oh, here's a good area you should look into or some players you could live with or something like that? Yeah, to begin with, they were helpful with getting me a place with a couple of the other new boys nice. signed as well at the same time. So you get like a relocation it's like uni but not having to do any of the work yeah yeah yeah. you get like a relocation allowance as well yeah. within, within a contract and that's the biggest thing is that because that, Scott did have a number of opportunities to where he could go because mm. the size of the club and because of how exciting you know the expectation was what was going to happen this big influx of capital into the club and get the club right back up the league system mm. and Scott to be like a big part of that the new owners like really wanted him like made a real beeline for Scott to be part of that team but all wasn't as it seemed sadly because despite the fact that the new owners were like unveiled at the stadium, like we went down there and met them all, like there in the director's room, the actual transaction never got completed. And this fascinates um, me because, absolutely, like, you know, we talk so much about how we try and run hashtag super sustainably, and like we, you know, we'd never do anything like that would just be a bad use of money. Basically, like, how does someone? And this is my understanding. But tell me if I'm wrong. But how does someone that's going to potentially buy a club start spending money at that club without owning the club? Isn't that just Madness. I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. We need I've to get a no podcast idea. on with I mean, the family. We should probably <laughs> sure. Matt, maybe he's up for it because, you know, he, he likes going on socials and stuff. And, you know, he's obviously now gone on. Well, we'll come on to that in a minute, I guess. But basically, the, there was something that happened. Like, there's a lot of people that tried to buy Yeovil in the past. It seemed as though there was some detail around one side of the contract through the stadium that just didn't go. Something like that. I don't know the ins and outs of it. So it's not fair for me to speculate. But, like... The Uglers are going to game. They're making multiple signings. They're in the office every day. They're they're all ball fans are like clapping yeah. them at games and stuff. Right, they're, they? they're they're running the club, yeah. right? Uh, and they're spending money. Uh, so Scott signs, goes down, passes medical, signs on the dotted line, starts going to training. Like it's all happening, and then all of a sudden you start hearing these things on social media that you're still waiting for the previous owner to release something. It doesn't release, and all this stuff. And you're like, what's going on? And then one day it just turns out that it's, the deal's off. That they're not buying the club anymore. So the person that's brought you to the club, the person that sort of sold, yeah. not sold you the dream, but like sort of said to you, this is the project and we're building. And it's got to be said yeah. that the, as far as I understand it, that was not their doing. Like they're actually down there spending the money, spending yeah, their own time and effort. Wouldn't spend the money so it seemed as it. though the previous owner, who's no longer the owner, to make it more complicated, basically stopped that deal going through. 
So therefore, the Ugler family had no alternative but to move on. They'd lost the investment that they've spoken about they've, they've, they've spent. And the club's left now with an owner that was trying to sell, with new owners that are not buying it. Scott's just going to sign for the club. Yeah, so it's, what's going through your head at this point, Scott? Because you, you were playing at this point that the results weren't going the way you needed to, in terms of the team to stay yeah. in the league. And you've, you've like, the guy who's brought me here is not here anymore. What, where does that leave me sort of thing? Yeah, it's probably one of the trickiest situations I've been in as a player in my career because at the the business end of the season yeah with all the stuff going on above you with the managers and with the owners and stuff like that it's it's hard to focus on and what needs to be done on the pitch and it does reflect what happens on the Absolutely. pitch is there a lot of chat about it at training and stuff yeah, well, like, it's, look, it's hard no. not to well it's hard to just ignore it it's no you can't yeah what everyone's thinking and you kind of have to get on with it but at the same time it's hard to just focus on your football when other stuff's going on. Yeah, and the other massive there's a massive ramification of a team getting relegated from that league as well, yeah. which is a lot of teams don't stay pro yeah. when they drop into the National League South. Yeah. So what's the status of the Oval now in terms of the amount of training you're doing? Yeah, they're still full time. Still full time. Yeah, so yeah. how many teams do you reckon are full time in that league right now? I think National League South is probably only maybe three or four. Yeah, because it's a league we know quite well because so we've got Avely, who's uh, women's landlords. We used to be in the same league as them and the men there in that league. They're going quite well. They're in the playoff spots. We've got Chelmsford City in that league. We've got Jermaine Francis and Ben Brooks now. We've got Braintree, who we beat in the Essex Cup. Also knocked us out of the FA Cup a few years ago, so we've got a bit of revenge there. And there's a, a, quite a few teams that came down from that league into our yeah. league this year, like Dulwich, Hamlet, Concord Rangers. And that, for me, has always been the big step up. Like We kind of always aim to get to step three mm-hmm. and then sort of reassess because we know how much ex- more expensive it gets. But then once you go from National League South to National League, yeah. where most teams are pro, yeah. and it's like it's basically the fifth professional league, isn't it? Yeah. That's like So when you come down out of that league, it's a massive change. Massive, and like, yeah. you know, it gets talked about in the Premier League when teams get relegated, but it's the same for every league. Are people going to lose their jobs? You know, who's, yeah. It's not just the players, it's yeah. the coaches, it's people at the stadium. So mm. what is that like going for a relegation? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a different one with that. Obviously, like you say, it's it's a massive step down. And as a player, you don't know whether you're going to be part-time yeah. or whether you're going to have to get another job. Yeah, Obviously, a lot of the boys' contracts ran out that season as well. So it's always more difficult to get another contract somewhere else when yeah. you've just been relegated from True. a national league. And with speculations over different ownerships and stuff, you you don't know where, you, where your job lies. If you suddenly go part-time and it's not enough money, then you're going to have to get another job. Yeah. So a new, so new owner comes in. So then another, so another local businessman comes in and does buy the club. Although we're led to believe, and we haven't got a chance to get to know him that well, sadly, is that it's not going to be the same level of resources made available to Yeovil. And then Scott's been put on this contract from a, in a different regime, as well as a few other players. And being really honest, the club made it sort of aware that we don't think it's going to be sustainable. So look, Scott might want money to find another club, you know. Yeah. And the shame is there that Scott really at that point thinking right well it's annoying but going back down to you know still a decent level get a chance to be the hero be the main man get the club back to where it's just come down from and then with the current injury has not been able to do that and so frustrating isn't it because even though you've gone down it's like right i've just scored 16 goals in this level the year before not even a full season yeah like let me at them sort of thing i'll show you we'll get back up like no problem (laughs) yeah yeah hold my beer but injuries that's what happens right when you get an injury and then especially it's a time of turbulent turbulent time at the club of transition where there's mm-hmm. you know new owners coming in whatever all you want to do is get on the pitch and just show them what you can do yeah you know and especially it's so much more annoying i imagine when 
the person who knows what you can do is the guy who bought you to come because he's the fan, obviously, the, uh, the uh, ugly guy, because he must have been like, seen what you're doing at Boston and he's not there anymore. Yeah. So like, you haven't been able to almost show that, the That's the thing, real, the uh, obviously, what happened there was, must have been a very difficult time for everyone involved in the club. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people that were brought in from that era, that brief period where the uglers were there, sort of gets put in a different box to the club. It's like, oh, you know, it gets a little bit, there's a little bit of arm's length between it. Mm. I think there's been a factor of that this year as well. Uh, the Uglers have gone on and, and bought a new club now. They run in York City. Okay. But we've not had any discussion with them really ever, ever since that period. The focus has always been on Scott just doing what you want to do, play football, right? Yeah. Just want to go yeah. and play football. I think that was what was most frustrating is, I guess people didn't understand this kind of what injury it was. Yeah, yeah, you see yeah. me playing and then you see me not playing one week. It's like... Well, it can't be anything too wrong with you because you're playing one game, 90 minutes, and then you're not playing the next. So are you just like picking and choosing when you're playing or is it general injury? Yeah, which... that's the worst thing about football, right? Is that the fans are often the most uninformed people. Yes, they care yeah. the most, yeah. but they don't know the most. And so yeah. they'll be like, they don't know if it's like a, a character thing or it's like, which obviously we know it isn't because yeah. we weren't, you know, Scott and never would be that case. But people haven't got any information, so they just guess. They just make stuff up. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's why I'm going things like this are good for now this is one of the big things that's changed in football I'd say in the last sort of 10 years is footballers can just come and tell you how it is you don't have to yeah. be hiding behind the whoever like the club or whatever so I think that's good and you know the good news is it seems like the, the light's the end of the tunnel this injury is going to be over in pretty soon yeah. and you can get back to playing which we all want to see let's talk about some of the, your earlier playing memories and like I want to go through your career because it is you know, it's still a long hopefully long career left to go and a lot more trials and tribulations. But what you've done already is amazing, especially if you think about the kind of inception of it. Because like, so you were at academies growing up, weren't you? But you were a goalkeeper. Yeah. Is that so, right? Yeah. So never like officially like signed as an academy player. Okay. So like players, when they're like six and seven, they actually get signed and yeah, they yeah, yeah. Just progress through the whole years of academy. But I was never one of them. So you were like just... Sunday won, league. You were, was, uh, and you, but weren't you involved with something to do with Leicester at some Yeah, point? yeah. So that was... They had like an academy and then they got like an elite. Yeah, the elite. The elite yeah. underneath, which I was but probably I, 12, 12, 13. As a keeper? Both. So Wow. What a combo. I know. Some some <laughs> days, because it's it's obviously not the academy and it's not as professionally run. Yeah. Still like very good level. And obviously these players have kind of maybe been at academies before and they've not re-signed with some. So you get a, a good mix of players. Yeah. But some games, because you have games like every half term, on Saturdays and Sundays and sometimes the keeper wouldn't turn up okay. so I think the coach knew I was kind of like a bit of both now, I've seen what you can do like, weird, but... I've, you know he's the sort of guy that's just good at everything like, I've taken up golf a little bit in the last few years he played together like, he's decent at that compared to how new he is to the sport I remember the moment where I knew you just one of them guys do you know where it was <laughs> Jersey. You think about backflips. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just soaking down, pissing with rain. We're going for a, what did we go for? We went for a walk. So it was like five or six of us. And you just stood on this like wall in your slippers. And sliders, yeah. And, and you just did yeah, a backflip. On concrete. Yeah. I was like, what? What on the hell are you So many doing? things could have gone wrong there. Yeah. I was just like, just one of them guys that can just do stuff. I was just like, oh, yeah. okay. No, I mean, that's for me, that's one of the things that separates like the, the elite yeah. athletes when the people that are just like half decent is they just can do it I mean Alex's brother's the same you know he's in he was in the UFC but he's so good at everything, everything you know yeah. any sport he's, he's really good at football and he's never played football yeah. like yeah. it's just so annoying yeah, so <laughs> annoying but but yeah you, you've certainly got that trait and we were always so impressed with you but I think what's really interesting is first of all the fact that you weren't in those academies growing up right yeah. like it, it's a massive uh, like 
be some most motivation for people watching yeah, out absolutely. there that you don't you know if someone hasn't believed in you yet or given you that opportunity don't stop because 16 you say it's fairly late really to sort yeah. of come into it and it wasn't straightforward path either so you applied for this this series come down mm-hmm. i mean you were the best player on the first day we all knew it i don't think we necessarily knew you were definitely going to win the show on the first I day did. Do you think? Yeah, well, you did say remember the name Scott exactly, Pollock yeah, famously. Yeah. I got his name wrong. Big step. Yeah. <laughs> I got his name, Scott Pollock. <laughs> I, 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 I had a friend. Uh, so I, rememberable. Is the, like... the, the, the reason being, I don't know if I've ever spoken about the reason being, is that I played all through uni of a guy called Scott Perkins. Of course you did. Yeah. Uh, shout out Scotty, Scotty <laughs> Perkins. <laughs> and uh, Scotty Perkins was also called Scotty P. Was so when I got the interview, I first said, I remember the name Scotty Perkins. I, I was obviously talking about okay. Scott, yeah. but I said Scotty Perkins. Thankfully, we cut that bit yeah. out of the edit. We, got, might have, we might have. I don't know. We might have that rush somewhere. If we do, we'll put it in it. Yeah, yeah, it was just standout, wasn't it? From the from one of the youngest yeah. in the competition, if not the youngest. Yeah, and the other thing, because we did a couple of trial days. Yeah. So I think it was the first day you came down to us. We yeah. hadn't done some of the others yet, so we didn't know who else we were going to find. But then we get like later on in the series, we start doing the sort of physical and technical tests, and you just start scoring free kicks and things. Yeah. We're like, okay, this, this guy's built different. Did backflips in the corner flag. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> you, obviously there was a whole. We don't, we won't get into that series. It's all on YouTube. If you want to watch it? Don't yeah, forget. Yeah. It's actually on my channel, not the hashtag channel. So the same channel you're watching this on, series one. But there was a whole thing with your 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 co-finalist Jack Durkin and this whole press ups thing, and that yeah. probably actually took a bit of the shine off because you you would have won anyway. I think, but no disrespect to Jack, I think mm-hmm. that the fans knew you were that level. Yeah. But because he had this whole thing about his press ups and this nonsense, it took a bit of the shine off it. I think, which is a shame, but certainly didn't long term. Off the back of that, you come and join our first team. It's worth saying we took about seven or eight players from that series in the end because you didn't have to be as good as Scott to improve our yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but so people ask me a lot about you. They say like, "Did we know you were that good?" And I always say like, "I knew you were way better than anyone else we did had played for us for sure." But I don't think any of us could known what level you go to because it's such an opinion based thing. Yeah, it's about yeah. opportunities, right? Yeah. And I think you know we we certainly helped with that. But I, I never take credit for it because you have to go and perform and do the things you do. And you've there's loads of other routes which we'll get on d- down to that you're doing off your own back as well. But for me, the big one that I was thinking about is the Wembley Cup. You know, we had this massive game, 34,000 people, the biggest Wembley Cup there ever was, third one. And, you know, I'm going to make this a little bit about me here because I like to. It's my claim to fame when it comes to you, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Is I made the decision not to start you in the game. Yeah. People, actually, I remember the conversation. People actually, laughing about this. So they're like, why did you not start Scott Fullock in that yeah. final? Bear in mind, you know, it's not, you know, there's so much riding on these games. I know it isn't a professional football game, but yeah. for us, it's like our lives. Like, we yeah. don't. Yeah, we've got all these people watching, you know, millions of people in the we don't want to lose, we want to win. Why did I not start our best player? Because you were our best player. And I even said to you when I didn't start you, you're our best player. Yeah. And it was basically a combination of people have been there longer, which is like half of it, and it's like the whole, you know, do the right thing by the players. We had a sort of set, we had a we had played our very functional four four two. And like that, the, we didn't really know where your best position was at that point either. We knew we could play you anywhere, it wouldn't be a problem. So I was like, who do I bring in for Scott? And I thought, actually. You are also 16 years old and there's also 34,000 people out there. And weirdly, I've actually played at Wembley a couple of times at this point. And I was probably, I did, I'm not saying for any second you yeah. were nervous, but I can yeah. imagine a world where you would where be. quickly proved he wasn't. No, exactly, <laughs> clearly. What I thought is, take the pressure off him. Let's set the boys out there and then you, Scott, as I knew we were going to do roll and roll off as well. And, you know, we had Martin Keown as our manager. And I said to Martin, look, we, there's a few funny stories there where I was telling him to get Robbie Fowler off ASAP for Dan Brown. And he was like, Robbie Fowler? I was like, it's Dan Brown, mate. <laughs> but I said to him, listen, get this kid on as soon as you physically can. Don't wait. Just get him on as soon as it's a good time to do it. He'll win us the game. 
And I pulled Scott to one side. And I knew Scott wouldn't be like annoyed because he's a pro and he's a very good attitude. Mm. But I wanted to make sure you didn't think it was an oversight and I was having a stink. I was like, no, I think I know what I'm doing this, Scott. Yeah. I said, look, and I hadn't said this to him before. And I don't think I said it in any videos at this point. But I said, Scott, look, you're our best player. Everyone knows it. You're going to win us this game. You're going to come off the bench really soon. You're going to win yeah. us the game. Like, don't worry about not starting. There's, there's a sort of idea there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what happens? He comes on and gets three assists, man of the match. So you're welcome, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> What's your memory of that? What's the same as my version. <laughs> no, I remember I was fuming. I was I absolutely <laughs> gutted. I was like, get I'm leaving out. this club. I can't even look. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> SE Dons. <laughs> Where are they? They weren't even born then, were they? No, they were around. They oh, were around yeah. there for sure. No, no. Back then, I was like, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about, to be fair, I'll probably turn up on the day not expecting to start anyway. Fair. I was 16. I was like, just enjoying the day. Yeah. Probably could have paid, played 10 minutes and been. been Imagine what, what a mayor that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Keon probably would have done it as well if I hadn't been 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was oh, getting definitely. a bit power hungry. Yeah. I was like, you don't know any of these players, mate. Just let me tell you who's yeah. good. Anyway, but the, what was the actual day like for you in terms of when you did come on? Because it must have been amazing. Yeah, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a myriad of levels on the pitch. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. you got, I'm on there. You've got YouTubers who are just, you know, basic footballers. But then you've got Stephen Gerrard. And mm -hmm. Stephen Gerrard, I think, quite quickly worked out you were a problem for them. And he was trying to get near you. Like, he yeah. was. And, he, and this wasn't Stephen Gerrard now. This was Stephen Gerrard, like, six months post-retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was unreal. Yeah, he was a joke. Unreal. But, like, you have to pinch yourself because you're just, like, you're, you're what, probably six months prior to that, you never, you just watched a few of us on YouTube yeah. and suddenly you're playing at Wembley. Yeah, it is weird to think, obviously, how quickly it kind of just all developed. But I've always said I was more nervous the moment we went up to went out to warm up mm. than actually me coming on. Mm. All the people there. I yeah. don't know why. It was just surreal, like actually yeah. being on the pitch, yeah, warming up and kind of seeing all these pros or ex-pros. And then when I was subbed on, I was like, right, this is it. Yeah. No need to be nervous anymore. It's like you'd also seen everyone else. You were like, this won't be a problem. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what a moment, like one of my most proudest things that we get to do in, in YouTube is when we get to find people like you, like, and that's what, one of the reasons we did that series, like we wanted to make a good series. Obviously that's what we do really. That's what I do. And like, I tried to do on YouTube. I knew we could make our team better, but the most important thing was I wanted to, we were only getting to do this ridiculous stuff because of the viewers. So I was like, I actually want, it wasn't actually the second and third series because we found you mm. second and third series turned into like, let's really find some talent and mm. we're now non-league team. Mm. Let's get better. But the first series was really about rewarding our viewers. We didn't know who we were going to find. And it's like, let's get some of them to come on these trips with us. And you, know, you came to Spain with us. We've got a great story. We should talk about what happened in Spain with Scott, actually. I don't know if you remember it, but I remember it. I'm and then I'll bring it up in a minute. But then, uh, yeah, it's uh, the idea of, it's like we talk about Stampy, who works here now. He came for the same series as you. You know, he's worked for us for like four or five years. And there's, there's a load of other people that have come through. Oh, it. the ref thing. But yeah, so I'm really proud of that. So fast forward, let's talk about Spain. So we do a little La Liga tour. We go and play Real Oviedo and Ibar's staff teams. You know, again, real mix of some of them coaches, maybe a couple of ex-players in there, but also like the social media guys. Like we won both games fairly comfortably. You know, it wasn't, it was a good level of opposition. We handpicked them well, Sebi. But do you remember what happened in the Ibar game? We played Ibar and they had an assistant manager or assistant coach, whatever he was, who played a proper level. He played La Liga. He was maybe pushing... I don't know. He was in between 40 and 50 somewhere, I'd say. He wasn't under 40, but he wasn't over 50. Let's say 45. And he basically lost his head with you because you were too good. And he didn't, he like, he, he elbowed you. I'm pretty sure he elbowed you. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember something. Because you're unconscious. Him. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we can choose whether we leave this in the video or not. But at the time, we were trying to look after our relationship. So we, we took it out of the video because it, was, it wasn't just that he elbowed you. There was yeah. like, it all went mad. Everyone kicked off. 
they were basically saying that we were too good, I think, and we'd bought too good players for it. Yeah. And it's like, you're Ibar, you could turn up with anyone. We don't yeah. know if you turn up with your academy boys. Yeah. You know, it happened in Atlanta, in yeah. America, they turned oh, yeah, up with their under 23s and started yeah. killing us. Mm. So we've, we've just bought our Sunday league boys, basically, plus this kid we found. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it kicked off and they the absolutely lost his head, their guy. I can't remember his name, but if I can remember, we'll get it up now and name and shame him. And we had to take out the video because Made him look bad. basically it was a La Liga-sponsored yeah. thing and they were like, this makes Ibar look terrible. But that's another case of you yeah. getting in people's heads. From being I think, too was good. it him that was like fuming and then took his shirt off and then threw yeah. it? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we, we probably yeah, had the footage somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Just lost the plot. Oh, I do remember it a little bit, yeah. But it's not about him. It's about Scotty P this episode. So post that, you actually only played, I think, 13 games for Hashtag, which is mad. You know, yeah. you're know, you a club legend. And until you actually have dropped out of the Hall of Fame now, I think. Mm. There's not the Hall of Fame, so the, the best 11 we do. And that's purely on appearances, I think. You'd yeah. be in there on ability that's, for sure. Fair enough. Though. And it's fan voted. Yeah. I think you're on the I'm bench. I'm out as well, mate. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I made the first team. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think any of us are in here. Yeah, I think fair you're enough. on the bench, to be fair, Sebi. Oh, no, you're definitely clinging on. Mm. But obviously, we've got players who play like 100 odd games now. Yeah. But it says a lot about it that you were in the first fan voted best 11 for 13 games to your name. And there's mm. people that have played 80, 90 that weren't in there. But you only played 13 games and I mean your debut was at the Emirates, I think, was your first game. Yeah. Yeah, which is again amazing. And then what was happening simultaneous to this, which people may not know, people outside of Northampton might not know this, is you were enrolled in the Northampton Football and Education Programme. Yeah. So what is that? Tell us what that is. Yeah, so when I was well, when I first joined hashtag, was it May, June time? Yeah, it would have been twenty seventeen, like yeah. GCSE year, I think. Or year after GCSEs. Mm. So I was like Sunday League. And hashtag. Yeah. That was it. Sunday league, hashtag, that's my football. And then obviously I needed to do something after school. So in the summer, I applied for this football and education program. It's basically like football and college, which is a dream, really. You yeah, play yeah. football every day with your mates and you still get a BTEC degree out of it. So yeah. I was doing that in the preseason with them, which is all under Northampton as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still associated with Northampton, but you're just basically the level below the youth team. Yeah. So it was a dream for me. It was like, mm. right, how they pitched it as well was you can get into the youth team. Yeah. And I think a lot of other people are like, okay, I just want to do this because I don't know what else to do. Mm. Or I saw that. That stood out to me. I was like, right, here's a pathway into the youth team. Yeah. Which is what I want. Stay with Northampton, smash it here, and I can get into the youth team. That yeah. was my that was my main aim. Well, because that's the thing with the, we we actually were going to do one ourselves and we only didn't do it because of COVID. Unfortunately, we couldn't do the trials we needed and it kind of got parked after that. But ultimately, often those things do sell that dream to players, don't they? Yeah. They go, I want to see, come and enroll and you might play for us one day. 99% of the players are never going to do it. And I don't think anyone had ever done it in Northampton before. No. But you, again, just like you gave us this, you could be the next Scott Pollock. Yeah. You gave Northampton and probably every other the same sort of education program around the country, the perfect poster boy. Like you could be the next Scott Pollock again, come and do our course and you might play in league two, league one. Like it's not just the you to be going to end up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 You you surpassed their, their best dreams of just getting into the youth team. You ended up with a fully signed pro at Northampton. Yeah. And you were there coming through league two. They got promoted to league one. You know, I mean, let's talk about your time at Northampton in general, because we were just so proud. Weren't we seeing all that kick off. And the main one for me, was, was the FA cup against Derby. Yeah. Wayne Rooney and Scotty P sharing the two of remember the, the name two remember yeah. the name the, the collaboration amazing. yeah what yeah. was that like playing against Rooney yeah that was another surreal sort of that's playing against a pro like we've played against the pros like when they've washed up yeah, no it's yeah. harsh not washed up when <laughs> yeah. they've retired some of them are washed up yeah, some of them yeah. most of them good nick whereas Rooney was literally oh it was still a joke yeah. 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 yeah yeah less in the home game at Northampton 
I guess. Oh, was, it a re- was it a replay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, played them twice. The first, not leg as such, but the first game was at home at Northampton. And he kind of, he didn't shine too much then. But the second leg, he was like back to his usual self. Because he would only been about 33, because he retired fairly young, mm. really. I think he'd been about 33, 34 yeah, at the time. Yeah. So what year was that? That game? 2020, early 2020. 2020, okay, so I'm trying to work. So it's like less, yeah. so it's like two and a half years since you applied for Hashtag Academy and yeah. did all those YouTube games. Mm. You're playing against Wayne Rooney and you yeah. would have been, what, eight, 19, 18, 19? I, I was 18 then. Yeah, Man, that's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Wild. What, what a trajectory. And it's so fascinating, the fact that you, this has come about late, really. Like, mm. it is late, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know... Do you, why do you think teams hadn't looked at you? Do you think you improved late? Do you think you blossomed late? Like, why weren't you in the academy setups? Playing with not... Dog just rubs off on you. Oh. Right <laughs> yeah, he, he, he taught me a lot, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Mange Dog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is... Because I'd never say I just suddenly became, like, good at everything in football. It was always, like, a slow progression. But were, you, were you playing at school level? Like, were yeah, you, I was like, always playing... Were you the best player in the year, would you say? Well, I was, the football was never, like the main thing when I was like really young like primary school it was just enjoy sport yeah I like sport and that was it it wasn't all them other mates were in Sunday league teams mm. I never played Sunday league till I was 11 okay so that's probably part of it then because mm. kids get snapped up so young now don't yeah. they mm. if you've been playing so I wasn't then. in the shop window for any club no unless mm. someone's filming me in my back garden or yeah, something yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that's the only way they're going to see see me play yeah because that's all I do I'll get home from school train in the garden that was it mad and you got good from that yeah because I mean it's not quite the same but we've got a girl plays for our women's team now Malika she's an unreal player and she didn't play like organised football until she was like 20 mm. she just played in the garden of her family yeah. and then you know okay women's football like maybe you can have a slightly faster trajectory there's less levels to, to, to climb mm-hmm. but like she not only turned up just a joke but she was like got better so quick as well because you've yeah. got so much room yeah. to grow because you haven't had all that training. Yeah, well, Do you feel like you can still, obviously you're going to still improve anyway. You, yeah. You're not anywhere near your prime yet, but do you think you can improve quicker than other people your age because of that? Definitely years ago it was like, because a lot of people just start an academy at six and they get to 16. Mm. They've, done, they've done 10 years of like, not full-time football, but pretty much full-time football in a professional environment. Yeah, They get to 16, it's like, Basically, you've had a career. Yeah. Mm. You've had a 10-year career. And then it's either make or break. Mm. And then when it breaks and they drop a couple of levels, the motivation isn't there to like yeah. to go back up. Non-league's littered with players yeah. like that. I've seen it? a yeah. lot of players do that where they drop off. They're like, oh my God, I've, I've dedicated 10 years of my life for this. And they've not, and not made it. Yeah. They've not made it. Where I was on the up, like start at 11, enjoyed Sunday League. Literally no pressure, just enjoying Sunday League. And when it gets to that, which in, even in my mind, it wasn't make or break. It was just make. Right? Yeah. It wasn't break for me. It was like, mm. all right, I'll just go and yeah, yeah. enjoy it. Like you said, so your identity wasn't wrapped up in football. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, I think we look at it probably now as like parents as well, Seb. And we think about, you know, what if our kids are going to do any sport and stuff. And, you know, if you're, if you're desperate for your kid to be a footballer, you might make them start doing silly amounts of hours from three, four years Project old. And like, yeah, Project okay, Mbappe. Yeah. Like if, you're, if that's your thing, if you're like, you know, uh, Richard Williams, I think his name is, the Serena and Venus's dad. Mm. Like you're, you you make you make a whole fifty page dossier about their career and had them mm. grinding hours and hours a day. The thing that scares me about ever doing that with my kids is like if they don't make it, you've taken their childhood. I mean, they away. never yeah. make movies about them ones, do they? No, that's, that's the, the thing. They don't. How yeah. many children's yeah. lives have been shattered by yeah. false self esteem because they're yeah. pushed into something? How many people didn't become Tiger Woods or Venus Williams or Serena mm. Williams? So. And the, the route you took, if you were designing it, would be the perfect route. 
for your yeah. child to do. Yeah, but yeah. the only problem is you're relying on your kid being just like a, a natural talent, yeah. which I think is what I would class you as. Yeah. Like, not, I don't actually believe in natural talent in the sense of you're born of it, but I think you have basic things like coordination and things and you work on that. And, and some people have an ability to sort of compound that really quickly. I think the 10,000 hour thing comes to mind, right? So mm. these kids that you're talking about, these 16-year-olds, they've done their 10,000 hours by yeah. 16. You definitely wouldn't have, certainly yeah. not in an organised environment. No. So that means you wouldn't be classed as a child prodigy in these Wayne Rooney's that mm. do what they do at 16. Yeah. But it does mean you can peak late and yeah. you can keep going. And I think the mental out. part of it is yeah. huge, yeah. So that's the plan. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, listen, I'm so excited to see where you go next. You know, you, you were... You were at Northampton. You you got loaned out a couple of times, didn't you? Or you went to St. Neots. St. Neots. Neots. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying it right. St. Neots. St. Neots, yeah. St. Neots. St. Neots, yeah. Which at the time were a step three club. Yeah. So the same level hashtag right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on loan from Northampton. Yeah, that was with the youth team. You were at the youth team. So towards, because how it works with the youth team, you play a season August till Jan. Right. As the Merit League, as it's called. And then it splits. So the top six go into meet the other top six of another area. But a lot of the time, clubs will put pretty much their second years out on loan, okay. give them experience, and then see if they're good enough for a contract. Was that the year that you were absolutely tearing it up in the, in the academy? The like, team, yeah, yeah, the numbers great, were just yeah. crazy. We had a great you top scoring that, that as well, weren't you? you were that playing was probably like, 16 goals as yeah. well. What something? position wow. were you playing? Midfield, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. I remember all that, and we saw some clips and stuff from it, and it was just like, okay. So they probably thought, right, we need to get you out adult football. Men's football, yeah. just to see... In their, I don't know, but in their mind, they might have thought, okay, we're going to give him a contract, but let's just see just check. a couple <laughs> yeah. of months yeah. whether he's good enough. So what was that like? Because you've gone now from playing Sunday football, like you say, hashtag like with a load of random guys. Then you've gone to Northampton's sort of academy setup. Yeah. Suddenly you're in a non-league environment. Yeah. Very different, right? I remember the first game and bearing in mind, there was only probably 700 people there. It's not bad. We'll take that. It's <laughs> still all right. But I remember we scored a last minute goal to win 1-0. And that was the first time I get that like mm. buzz of, oh my God, looking at the fans. You like, mean something. Yeah, yeah. He's hugging points. me. They don't even know me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like debut this game. Yeah, debut on this game. And they're hugging me and like, I can see the, the happiness it brings. And that was step three. Yeah. I think they were like mid table or towards the bottom. So obviously it was a massive like result. And that was the first time I felt, oh my God, like this. And you is... were what, 17, 18? You were 17, 17. 17, yeah. So you're probably the youngest player there. Yeah. Basically what Ted Curd is for us now, yeah. 17. Yeah. And what were the players like? Did they welcome you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good lads? Yeah. Like, was it, because I mean, I don't know what it was like at that club, but a lot of non-league clubs, is sort, of, sort of, maybe less so now, I think players are a bit more serious with athlete, mm. athletic behaviour, but earlier years, it was a lot of drinking culture and stuff, and you yeah. wouldn't even been old enough to do that. No. So you was wondering, these youngsters come in, like how, how much can they get involved? But they mm. looked after you. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of older lads are always wary, like, oh, yeah. this youth team's coming in from a big, like Northampton, mm. like, He's going to take my place, all right. Let's see what he's see what he's about, and then as soon as I think the whistle went, like a couple of nice touches, passes, a few dribbles, and then I think they they were like, okay. So this is where I do think hashtag do should get a little bit of credit here because so many and I know this for a fact, mm. so many players at your age would not have never played adult football. Yeah, and even I'm not saying the standard was anything like step three. But you had done that with us, mm-hmm. not only a handful of times, but yeah. still you'd gone up against people double your age. Yeah. In, in, in play, we played in centre mid, we played you out wide, we played yeah. you a couple of positions. And like, again, things like the Wembley Cup, like, yeah, they're all adults. Again, not all that level. But if you can handle that, 30,000 yeah. people, you can handle 700. Yeah. And I think that that is just... I think there's a reason Pochettino's 
no trust in us with Ted, isn't there? Yeah, like, we were a great it's, a great, it's a great opportunity, especially now. Like, so I think that is, you're right. I think there is a mm. great, what been able to create is that environment. Like what a great opportunity for us to play in front of 34,000 people. It's like mm. life, I've still got it as my bloody pin tweet. I've probably went out the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those things. But for you at 16 to get a taste for that yeah. and then to build on that platform. Because one thing we've missed very quickly uh, yes, here, was Mark Bright was commentating that day, presenting it. He's yeah. also been involved in Palace. He spoke to the guys at Crystal Palace. Well, like, this guy's got his You want to check him out? It started before that. And this is another piece of evidence of how much I backed you before that game. Is So Mark White commentates the, fo- the games, like you say. And like, I'd known him quite well by this point because he'd done three of them. So he would always ring me before and ask me who to know, who he should know about. Because he wouldn't be familiar with the YouTube players. And I'd be like, oh yeah, Chris MD's got a bit and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd go, but you only need to know one name. i say, you need to know the name Scott Pollock. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right. And like, he was rolling his eyes. I was like, no, listen, like, you know, I, I've never told you like any of these guys are serious players. I've never said this YouTuber is going to go pro or whatever. I've, I've always told you they're good, relatively speaking. I said, but this kid like actually could. And I said, if you've got anything about you, you'll invite him to a trial at Crystal Palace. And he was like, okay, man. Like, mm. <laughs> anything yeah. about you? <laughs> Honestly, me and, Mark, me and Mark talk all the time. Right, if you're watching this, you know. And then obviously you do what you do in the final. Yeah. He, he rings me up and he goes, yeah, we should talk about yeah. that trial. Yeah. And yeah, so what, what I happened? I remember in the, in the interview, the man of the match interview, he was like, he was kind of asking a few questions like, oh, you, so you're playing for anyone? How old are you again? Like, mm. I mean, I don't think he said then, but yeah, afterwards he yeah, was, yeah. 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 yeah he, obviously, Bright is a Palace legend and he's very involved over there. Like, he's a big part of the club, right, especially with the academy. Mm. He is a great guy. But what was that process like? So you went down there again, you'd been 16. Yeah. What did they do? You're on trial. What does that even mean? Like, Yeah, so there was a few other trialists invited for that week. But they had a they had a big squad at the time. Okay. I think the eighteens were with it was like the seventeens and sixteens because when I was there it was like half term as right. well. So a lot of the sixteens were there, which I guess helped me kind of integrate a bit better because a lot of them were like mm. two or three years older than me. Yeah. So it was even hard enough impressing a Premier League club. Yeah, Premier League with eighteens and nineteens, and I think even one of the trial games was like twenty one, twenty two year olds. It's like people six years older, and I'm trying to impress. Yeah. Over them, so. But you think you got goal and assist in you one of the in games? the first game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It, that's the thing. I, I knew that jump was. I mean, that's the thing. We've got to be realistic as well, right? Because like we know a lot more now, and I certainly know a lot more about the levels through what we've done the last five yeah. years of hashtag than I did then. But we're talking about literally non, not even non-league, and mm. a not in a league team mm. to the top tier league in the world. Yeah. It's a massive jump. So yeah. you could have gone on that trial and you could have come back and you could have gone like, oh, mate, they were so good. And I'd have been yeah. like, fair enough. Let's yeah. see where else we can pitch you in. Mm-hmm. But understanding is you did pretty well on that trial. Like, and we, I don't know if we can find it because it's years ago, but we actually sent Lewis down with yeah. that thing. We got some footage. Mm. So what was your impression post that? Like, you know, I, I can't relate to in the football terms, but one thing mm-hmm. we thought about, I was thinking about when we were talking about what you did at the Wembley Cup. Because yeah. I was thinking about how I used to do stand-up comedy and how I always think that was the best preparation for me to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if you can go and do stand-up in front of people and try and make them laugh, and you learn more from the bad gigs than the good gigs yeah. when they don't laugh and you're like, you want the world to swallow you up. Yeah. If It didn't happen much, but if, if you can do that, then everything else is easy yeah. when it comes to presenting. It's yeah. like, I don't, I've never been nervous for presenting mm-hmm. ever because I did that. Mm-hmm. So I think the same for you when you've done Wembley Cup 34,000 people. Yeah, what, 700? Yeah. It's the same for this. It's like... This trial reminds me a little bit of like some of the auditions I used to go on. And you, yeah. you think if it auditioned to be a presenter or auditioned to be whatever. And you think, oh, I nailed that. I, I, you know, you get your hopes up maybe. Like actors go through this all the time and you don't get the phone call. You do get yeah. the phone call and it's bad news. Like, did you leave thinking something was going to come of it? I think I probably didn't grasp the whole situation as much as I should have. 
Okay, what, in terms of how you... In terms of, I was still wanting to like impress and like, I was hungry for it. But I, I remember a few times I took a little bit of a back off. I was like, okay, some of these are... Right. Some of these are really good and they've been there for years. And I think even being like a London team, you get a lot of like more hungry players than you on the pitch. Okay. And coming into a new environment, it was like, you're not scared or ne- like not too nervous, but you're like, okay, well, I don't want to... You maybe showed them a bit too much respect. A little bit too yeah. much respect, yeah. And so is that, would you say that's a regret? I mean, not to you say you should have a regret because you've yeah. gone on another career, but do you think it could have been different if you'd done something different? Yeah, not a regret because I still enjoyed the experience. And like you said, with your stand-up, that was probably my stand-up yeah. for mm. trialing with the youth team. Okay. And when it came to trialing with the youth team, I wasn't nervous. It was like, all right, yeah, everyone else here even though you're already part of the academy, I've got an equal chance to impress yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. So that's it's like, it's like doing step chance. overs with ankle weights on, you take them yeah. off and it's like, yeah. I think it's such good advice for anyone watching this, not even football related, like go and try and do the hardest thing you can think you could ever do. The thing yeah. that scares you the most and then the rest of your life, yeah. everything will be easy. That, that probably helped me get into the academy. It was... well, I remember a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, you played with him at hashtag, real name Hussein Issa, but Tekka's guru as we used to know, who's mm. now, by the way, set piece coach at Arsenal, which is mm. so cool, right? Yeah. Did a very good job from what I hear. He knew the guys at Palace or he knew some involvement at Palace. And he said to me, before you went there, they ain't going to take him because yeah. they only take massive physical guys. Yeah. And I was like, well, that'd be a shame if that, and I'm not saying that's true, by the way, like, but mm-hmm. that was on this impression that they had a bit of a reputation yeah. for that was how they recruited. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of teams that have done that famously. Yeah. Did you feel that when well, you were there? I was probably the smallest there. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think there was like either the extreme of tiny really technical yeah like ridiculously technical or mm. massive and big units but yeah. you were 16 and there was lads older than you as well yeah. obviously yeah. you've grown since then yeah. so, so that's like, where yeah. i probably gave him a little bit too much respect like okay mm. looking at the size of everyone else yeah 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 maybe i don't fit in here right okay interesting yeah well yeah so you kept bounced back from that obviously went to your stuff at northampton got through there went on loan came back they like you say got promoted to League One, mm-hmm. had the game against Rooney, some epic stuff. How would you sum up your time at Northampton? Because it's like your boyhood club in many ways, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, you're a Leicester fan as well, though, aren't you? Family, yeah, yeah. Family, like, yeah. Actual club, less in terms of supporting a club, Leicester. Yeah. When they won but the league. I was league, always... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, you're Northampton's your local team. Yeah, yeah. And you got yeah. to play for them. Yeah. Like, and so how did that come to an end, your time at Northampton? What was, what was the process? So, yeah, the, the last season I was there, I didn't play too much. Okay. It was kind of new manager come in, which was actually my youth team manager. So a all lot right. of the time you expect, all right, mm. like you're young, like youth team manager comes in, had a good relationship and stuff like that. You just expect to play, which is obviously not the case. And when it comes to professional football, it's like people's careers on the line. Yeah, there's and, no friends. Yeah. No, first managerial season for him as well. So okay. it's mm. obviously a lot of pressure. But also what a massive change from being a promotion chasing team. Yeah when you can try things like try youngsters out and give them a chance yeah. to suddenly every game you lose, you could get sacked. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't allow for experimentation. Does yeah. It? Yeah. So after that season, it was kind of didn't play as much as I'd like to still started a couple of games and scored a goal. Yeah. Scored a goal that season, but just didn't. Was that lucky, the... wasn't I remember you scored that goal and you got into the side Yeah, and then it looked like you were going to get a run in the team and playing yeah. well. And then you got that, like that wound. Didn't you got like a stud on your ankle? Was it? That was season before. That was season, season before, before was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seemed to me that you got like unlucky with like he's in the team now yeah. and then some would come back. Time that was just like never... COVID as well. Yeah, exactly. And I had a great COVID. run yeah, just before COVID yes, happened. That's, yeah. And there was a few injuries and we had Forrest Green on the Saturday. And then I was like, well, I'm going to start. We've got no midfielders fit. 
And yeah. I've played like the last three games and then got announced on the Friday. Right. Everything oh, shut yeah. down. Wounded. I mean, COVID's got a lot to answer for um, <laughs> with football, young footballers, yeah. for sure. Because mm-hmm. there's a load of footballers that just, that was their period where they got released yeah. and they didn't get to play for a year and it yeah. just killed their careers. Mm-hmm. Like, luckily it didn't do that for you. Yeah. So, so your contract came to an end at Northampton. Yeah. And so you'd, you'd been on loan at Boston already, hadn't you? Yeah, in Feb. March time. So they'd loaned you out to Boston who yeah. were National League North at that North, time as well yeah. and you're obviously impressed there because when they got the chance to they snapped you up on a, on a permanent transfer yeah so what so first loan when you went there did you think this might be somewhere that I'd come back yeah I remember the first game out on loan it was like a bit of a relief I was starting it was a great ground there good fans decent level as well and it was a bit of a derby match Boston versus Ketrin so it was like mm. I think there was probably 3,500 or something there. Like, massive game. Wow. And I've waited a, a long time to actually get the opportunity to start a game. So, literally, first 10 minutes, I think a cross came in, header, scored already on my debut. I was like, okay, this is this is nice. Like, Loves it. He's, ended he's up winning. Man for the big occasion, up, isn't he? Ended up. up winning the game and they were pushing for promotion as well. So, I was like, this is a good club. I felt quite respected there and it was a good time. Then I got recalled four weeks later back to Northampton okay. to start because they had a few injuries. So that's where it first came about with Boston. It's worth pointing out for our American viewers as well, this is not Boston yeah, yeah. in America. Yeah. This is Boston in England. Every chance Boston in America was named after Boston in England, to be honest. Like, yeah. you know, so just to know your role. But yeah, I think when I watch this stuff from afar, like, you know, and I obviously keep up to date with your career and we chat every now and then, but it's so nice when I see like Scott Pollock on the, on the score sheet and stuff. And we just think everyone's getting to see what we know. Yeah. So for you, you've, you've played in Northampton in the, in the EFL, you've come out, you've gone on loan and then permanently signed national league North. Yeah. You've then had an unbelievable season, national league North. And we've almost caught up now to how you went to Yeovil. But my question for you is, cause you're still young, right? And you haven't had like enough time in terms of multiple seasons back to back of playing loads of games to know really where you level out. Mm. like, And, and you probably are going to still get better once you yeah, get those games definitely. under your belt. Yeah. So like, what's your ambition? Like, what is, what, You've played the levels. You know when you came out of EFL and you went, we, we've seen the goals, the stats yeah. don't lie. Mm. So like, you're not, I, I know you're not a National League North player like, mm. or South player. You're definitely ceilings higher because what you've done. Now, things happen in timings, you had your injuries and whatever. Yeah. But what's, what's your aim? I think obviously after this injury, have a good full season again of, playing yeah like that Boston one was probably the first time I've played I think it was like 42 games even with the injury 42 yeah. games of like 90 minutes competitive football so another season like that or two and then take me to back to the EFL I think yeah it's got to be that's, isn't that's it? it's got to be so, yeah when he's yeah. played there at a younger age yeah not now had the chance to improve since then get a run of games yeah I think you'll find that I wouldn't want to put a level on you, mate. To be no, honest, yeah. I wouldn't put a level. Not your age. As definitely, well. I think when you've shown that at a young, as a younger man, you're being competitive in a very good Northampton side, mm. and you've got so much bigger physically since then. Yeah, you know, that really the grown yeah. up strong. I remember one time I hadn't seen you in a few months. I was like Jesus Christ, mm. it's like another of you where uh, you've got yeah, just yeah. all of a sudden just manned up, sort yeah. of thing. Just found his man strength. So yeah, I think definitely. But so it's very exciting, mate. Like so good now to be feeling at that point where I finally got to the bottom of what this silly bit mm-hmm. of bone was yeah. to have you now so close. I mean, as we film this now, you're going back down to Yeovil tomorrow mm-hmm. to see the physios down there and finalise that plan to be yeah. returned to, to full fitness. And whether it's going to be at Yeovil or another club, like there's there's an unbelievable player that someone's going to get. And I'll say this evening next to me, but it's not just about a player. Mm-hmm. When I've spoke to various clubs, it's, it's, the, it's the man you're getting as well, which is mm-hmm. so key. There's so many players that have got the talent 
but then let themselves down with their application or their mm. attitude. That's one thing you can't really teach. You, know, you look at some of the players that you know hasn't worked out for like the likes of like Ravel Morrison, the unbelievable talent. Alex Ferguson saying he's one of the best players ever had, but just wasn't able to apply that talent. We know you've got the talent, you've proved it, but one thing you've definitely got, mate, is you've got the most unbelievable attitude. Your your dedication to your craft. Like I know how hard you work in between when you've had these these injuries to get yourself in that condition, the way you look after your diet, all these different things. So I'm very excited about the future, mate. Yeah, and also to add to that, I know it's like been quite difficult for you to get the help you need with this injury. I know I think St. George's Park, you've been down to a bit. Yeah, PFA have helped as well. Yeah, yeah. So like shout out to them, by the way, helping players when they need it. Like it's really important. And yeah, like, I can imagine a lot of people have just gone like, oh, you know, I can't be bothered with this. Like, it's a hassle. Yeah. Like, your work ethic is clear to see. Even little things, like, obviously I've got a twisted view on it, but even when we did things like the next level league and Scott would come down to play in that, yeah, like, yeah, it's just, yeah. he was always there when, we, when, when people needed him. So, listen, we've got very high hopes for you. I do want to still pivot this in the direction of what this podcast is supposed to be about, which mm-hmm. is how to run a football team. So I yeah. want to pick your brains. Like, mm-hmm. you've been at a number of clubs. You don't have to name the clubs or anything, but, yeah. like, what are some of the the best environments you've been in like, and why are they good? Like, you know, what are the factors as a player that make being at a club fun? I think a lot of it comes from like the manager's culture. Okay. And when I was young at Northampton, I probably didn't realize at the time how good some of the cultures were, mm. when, especially the older players, the way they speak to you as well as a young player. I now understand it being a bit older, what they're trying to do. Yeah. Cause it, it might seem that they're being quite harsh on you, Yeah, which is kind of going out the game a little bit, but if they are more harsh on you, it's probably because they like you yeah. and want you to do well. If they see a player and they're like, right, he's not going to make it. He's They're not going to waste their time him. on him. No, Dev says the same thing. He always says, yeah. like, if I'm criticising you, it's because I think you can be good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they're wasting their breath on you to develop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they couldn't be bothered about, like, with your yeah. career and stuff, they'd just leave you alone. And you think, when you talk about the manager's culture, yeah. how important is having the right players in the dressing room in that? And do you think like sometimes managers just get lucky or do you think it's like almost an exact science where they go, right, I need a player who's a bit more of a leader. I need a player who's, you know, a bit of a joker and gets yeah. everyone happy. Like how important are those dynamics? I'd say under my, my first professional contract was under Keith Curl. Okay. Who for me was a great manager for me as a youngster, gave me a lot of chances. And he brought in a few of his players that's, been at his clubs before mm. so he knew the, how they'd run the dressing room yeah they knew his ethics and stuff like that so he knew that they were going to buy into his philosophy and then he brought in a couple of old players one of them like nicky adams who was great to have around the dressing room especially for the youngsters as well so they kept everything in check yeah and that's probably why we went up that season what do you think is more damaging for a team a let's say bad manager i don't say managers are bad but the wrong manager at the yeah. wrong club but with a great dressing room. Yeah. Or a good manager, but the dressing room, there's a problem. He's lost it or there's a there's a toxic person in there. Like what's going to affect things more, do you think? Because there's a bit of a school of thought in the modern sort of data-led approach to football. And I've read a lot mm-hmm. about this. Like with exceptions, obviously, where you've got top tier, like world-class managers. But yeah. often there's a lot of statistically that managers don't actually make that big an impact. Mm-hmm. And obviously they do on a personal level, which is why I, well, I think managers are super important with like... Mm the way they make the players feel and who they want to work for and how they how they address issues that come up as well. I think it's a massive mm-hmm. part of it. But statistically, like when new managers come in, you get the new manager bounce, all these things, like it just levels out across clubs. Yeah. And it's actually just a handful of people, geniuses really, that actually change the club overnight. But if you get a, the wrong player in there, it yeah. can undo all that good work, can't it? Yeah, I've seen it a few times with players not getting on board with the manager. And it, it does 
rub off on a lot of other players, especially when everyone's not like united together. Some player does their own thing, and then other players feel like mm. they can get away with that. Mm. And then if the play, if the manager's not being strict on the players for doing that, it kind of loses a bit of. Mm. That's what we got like with Ten Hag at United. Now yeah. he's trying to throw the book at people like Sancho because he's yeah. kind of questioned his authority. Mm. But then, like, if Sancho doesn't play ball, he just doesn't play. And then you've got yeah. a problem. You've got this guy on loads of money. He's not playing because he's got an attitude issue, or yeah. at least a clash. We don't know if it's Sancho or Ten Hag really. Mm. But that is sometimes it feels like it becomes untenable for the manager to the mm. point where. As soon as he starts losing, he's going to go yeah. because the players are on these contracts. And they, there's so much yeah. player power now, right? Yeah. Like you didn't grow up in that era. We grew up in the era where, like, maybe you've got the back end of it, where like Sir Alex Ferguson was hair dry treatment, kicking boots at Beckham, and like yeah. didn't even get in trouble. Nowadays, he'd probably go, he'd probably go to court yeah. minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd lose so, his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He would lose a job. Hey, job yeah. Yeah. But like that was normal. There's some amazing videos. I can't remember the manager's name. Neil Knight might remember. Who's that manager? Who was like, you can bring your dinner. John sitting. He's late in Orient, wasn't he? See, Leighton Orient says so the manager, there's a great video on YouTube if yeah. you haven't seen it. He's literally offering all the players out. After. Mm. He's saying, I'll fight you all. And like, you just couldn't, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but there used to be a lot more mm. manager power mm-hmm. and players were basically scared, I think. Yeah. Now we've probably gone the other way, which is managers really probably can't do what they need to do sometimes to get yeah. authority. Yeah. Oh, is, what is the right balance there? I'd always say when, whether they mean it or not, but if a manager acts like shows their confidence in all their players, they'll get the best out of the team. Mm, okay. When they're not as honest and they're kind of a bit half-hearted of telling the truth, it's kind of like you lose a bit of that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a manager's like, just says it how it is, but still in a way that gives the team confidence, then you'll get a lot of the players on board. There's consistency in what yeah. you're saying, like yeah, his yeah. approach and not yeah. doing one thing for one person. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a really good point. And then what... Because obviously a lot of this podcast can be about like board level stuff. You know, we talk to owners of clubs and things yeah. like that. How much does that impact players on the pitch? Like, are you aware? Of it? Do you have relationships with your owners at the clubs you've been at? Like, you know, obviously hashtags, I'm very hands on. I'm literally commentating in the stands and the players will know me. Mm-hmm. But professional clubs, yeah, it's not quite like that, is it really? The ones I've been at, they've, the chairmans and the owners have been quite like social with the players. Okay, and stuff. nice. Especially at Boston, the, the chairman there would come in after the game it sort of greet all the players as we're having like our post-match food and stuff. Yeah. And they come down in the bar and have a chat and talk about the game and stuff, which is nice to feel like you've got a connection with them. Yeah. And at Northampton, the chairman there, it was, you just think he's like a normal kind of guy. You wouldn't think he's like too, like a big ego or anything mm. or too much of himself, like to just not see the players and that. He would talk yeah. to you like a normal person. I, I always think the way it should work is like, the chairman or the owner, they work with the managers, right? Yeah. And like whatever, higher levels, maybe you've got directors of football and things, but not so much in non-league. And like that's where that communication happens and that's where the analysis and the any criticism or whatnot has to happen. And then everything beneath that should be the manager, yeah. which actually allows the owner to have those relationships with players yeah. and to be that guy because mm-hmm. you're like, well, I don't need to discuss anything like critical or anything with you because no. I'll talk to the manager about that. Yeah. And that's why manager sometimes the bad guy and sometimes mm-hmm. takes the brunt of all the blame things or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... Have you been at you've been at a club where managers have changed? Do you mean sacked and then? Yeah, like so new managers come in. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like yeah. how important is like that first day, a new manager? Do they have to sort of really say, you know, this is me, this is what I'm about quite authoritatively, or can it be like so bad that that if they get it wrong early doors, it's they can't come back from it? Well, I think what I've experienced is they well the best way of doing it that I've experienced is coming in and not being it sounds weird, not being too like authoritative with what they're 
things are to begin with. Observing. Okay. I remember, I think it was, it might be Keith Curl that came in and said, pressure's not on you, it's on me. So like, you go and just play freely. All the pressure's on me. So he's not coming in like, right, we need to do this, this, mm. which for all the players are like, oh shit, like, I'm you can swear, yeah, yeah, yeah go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not 2016 yeah. anymore. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, oh shit. No, this is this is serious now. We need to win. Like, we have to win this game. Yeah. yeah. If a manager comes in like, boys, the pressure's on me, not on you. Yeah, you've got your contracts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brought, the thing. It's quite yeah. paralyzing sometimes, that pressure, isn't it? Like, that's what I always think about when you see, this is slightly off topic, but, you know, West Ham got smashed by Fulham recently and supposedly it was because, because we've been in really good form, mm. but supposedly because there was this illness going around the camp and it just makes you think, like, the margins at that level, mm-hmm. one little thing yeah. affects it. And I always think with players' mindsets, like, why yeah. can one player be so inconsistent or why can it be so good one week and so bad next week? And there's so many mm. things that can affect it. Yeah. The big thing I don't think gets talked about anywhere near enough, and I think the Deli Alley piece this year was mm. really good for this, mm-hmm. is, like, just they've got their own lives. Footballers yeah. have got stuff going yeah. on. They might have had... I mean, there's a lad at Burnley who's been who's been off Foster, I think yeah. his name is, yeah. with mental health Foster, stuff. Yeah. Like It's like, you know, it almost feels like as a society, we, we've got much better at that stuff now. But in mm-hmm. football, it's almost like, oh yeah, but footballers need to play. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. Why is he any different than yeah, someone yeah. working in your office that has a mental yeah, health issue? Yeah, yeah. And or, or they can't have a mental health issue because they get loads of money and you know they yeah, should be that's really... The one I, that's the one I always hate seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I've seen it recently with Reese James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Done another post, obviously, unfortunately, I've been injured quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And I see some of the comments like, how can he be devastated? I'd be injured earning 200 grand a week. Yeah. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. No, these guys have spent 20 years of their life yeah. to play football, yeah. like, mm-hmm. to be in this moment, and they, got, they can't do it. Yeah. It's agony. Yeah. And people don't realise, I don't think, the mental health issues people do get when they're injured, particularly. Yeah. Like, when they're out of football for a long time, like, it can yeah. be really, really damaging. Yeah. Especially if you're someone that's like, handled it a lot through their career. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I think we are getting a bit better as a society, slowly yeah. but surely, and we get coming around to that stuff. Mm-hmm. The other thing as well, that people, you know, they, they kind of will look at you and they go, you're a footballer. Yeah, which you are, mm-hmm. but like you know, you're not earning Premier League money. No, do you know what I mean? Like no. you know that there's a level, and I don't know where it is exactly, but it's in in non-league. You know, where for example, if hashtag one day were to go professional, you know, players would have to make a decision because going professional means we're full time. Means we yeah. need you to be full time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're going to pay you more than your current job does. No, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's the reality of life. League, mm-hmm. we're not even talking about League Two. We're talking about National League teams being professional, like. People are playing football at that level. They deserve a lot of credit, in my opinion, because they often have turned down other careers. I remember you were talking about being an architect one day. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, they make a lot of money being an architect. Yeah. Like, and you have to park things. And with our level, I think a lot about it. I think it's one of the hardest levels you could play because obviously there's high levels of football, but you're asking guys to have a professional mentality whilst sometimes working manual labour jobs, mm. you know, 12 hour days on, yeah. on, a, on, a, on a site mm. and then they come and play a game of football where, you know, it's a proper level. Mm. Like that is, I'm not saying Premier League players have it easy because they don't. They have, yeah. what they have to put their bodies through and levels yeah. they have to maintain are yeah. a joke. But it's nicer when you can just go, I'm a footballer yeah. and I don't need to do anything else but be good on the weekend and yeah. like be fit and be ready. Mm-hmm. And lower league players, I think you have a lot more to deal with because yeah. the finances aren't yeah. as good. The balance like two jobs, family, if you've got kids as well and the travelling as well. Yeah, the travel is national. Yeah. Still national, yeah. Which is not a, a dig at Premier League players, but I've seen a lot of players come out saying we play too many games. And, yeah. a, and a lot of non-league people have come out saying, well, you fly here, you get picked up by the coach, you're not driving three hours to an away mm. game, coming back three hours, or training at night, getting mm. back at 12 o'clock to get up at 7 a.m. to go on site or something. Yeah. Brick, Bricklay or something. No, that is, yeah, that is yeah. why I think it's so 
hard yeah. to be a non-league footballer. I think I do hear what Klopp and the guys are saying because I think that ultimately it's more like it's not so much that, it's basically they're getting judged on the results to such a level yeah. of like that you know with the money that's on the line and people's careers are on the line not just footballers that do we it's more about these extra competitions that keep coming up so like, yeah. do we need you know the Club World Cup to be a 32 team tournament or do we need whatever it's going to be so yeah I, I hear I, I see both sides of it but I do think that non-league guys and, and lower level professional players mm-hmm. they they really do earn their money like and, and they could get they could be paid more that's where England's so weird and if we feel this hashtag right like there's so much money so low down the pyramid yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense no. like to, for the people money people can earn at the level hashtag are at is mm-hmm. mad yeah. not only at our club mm. but they can earn it at other clubs and you're like in any other walk of life you go it's seventh division yeah like you can't be in the divisions that you know objectively people care about for four or five years mm. why are you spending this much money now yeah. but it's so desperate to get there yeah and, and for the journey but it doesn't make sense they can't generate the money they're spending it's not possible so that is something that will always come up i think on this podcast but you touched on it there i want to like pay, take one word from every person as regards to you know what i think makes a good football club mm. and you, you you're welcome to add another one but yeah. you said culture and i think that's a really good one like yeah you know, it comes from the manager. I do think it comes from the owners as well because the owners ultimately appoint the manager. Mm-hmm. And if you appoint a manager who's got a certain approach and maybe that approach is, is you know, not one that goes down very well with players, I think the, the owners have some responsibility for that too, right? Yeah. So like, if you are under a manager you enjoy, mm-hmm. there is someone else that's made a decision for that yeah. person to be there. But mm-hmm. culture, is that the most important thing for you? So culture and confidence. Confidence. Within his team. For the manager to have confidence. Manager yeah. within his team, yeah. It's part of it. Yeah, it's part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Like his whole his whole package or her whole package yeah, as yeah. manager. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot to think about and how many ways people can Im- Im- impact a club. But before we let you go, mm-hmm. you've got any advice for us? You know, we're trying to get to level that you're playing at. Mm-hmm. What do we, and I know you're sort of fairly familiar with you keep you keep up to date with our results and stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think we need to do to make that step up? To be fair, I think the way you've gone about it is the right step because I've seen a lot of clubs that. Obviously, chuck money. They swap managers every season. Like Salford, for example, they haven't kept a manager. I don't think for past two years or something like that. Because they're, they're so keen on getting to that next yeah. level, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, we are too, and I think we've just done it. But you've done it steady. It's like yeah, we've done it. You've steady. not put the pressure on, right? Like for AFC Fylde, for example, they had League Two 2023-24 on their sleeve for a while. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, really? Well, just... They had a badge on their sleeve. Obviously with an aim, but they put a lot of pressure on getting to a certain level. That's mad. Where I think you've gone about it in a steady way, from what I've seen anyway. Yeah, certainly financially we have. But I do wonder, I'd love to get your take on it, because as a player, like we preach sustainability nonstop. Mm. It's very fan focused and we want to be around. As a player, do you not like, and this isn't like, you know, this is genuine question. Mm. Yeah, that environment is going to be more hospitable and probably more, stable mm-hmm. but is it also like people that went to Billericay for example under Glenn Tamplin when he was just throwing money at people yeah. like do you not a little, little bit of them not love that they're like we're here we're getting paid way too much money mm. like by a certain club under the wrong manager or the wrong owner whatever is that a bad thing for players if, if they get paid it can be yeah why um, I think well the hunger might go a little bit for mm. some players their personality might go right money that's it yeah and the love of it goes a little bit. That's probably why it gets players on the way out, like, yeah. doesn't it? Like later years of yeah, their life. Yeah. Because yeah. I just wonder what the player, because I, I have an idea of what our non-league boys are like. Obviously, I know our players pretty well. 
Mm-hmm. I think when you get into like professional football and you get to like particularly high level where their players have got so much money now, mm-hmm. as they're, they're, they're all like multi, multi millionaires, yeah. right? It's like, and you know, you get this. I think Ronaldo famously said in the press conference once, they asked him about some big political issue. And he was like, guys, we just talk about girls, cars, and money. He's like, oh, handbags. He's like, that's all we talk about. I don't know how to tell you anything different. And I'm sure that was an overstatement. There are obviously a few more of the intellectual footballers. Mm-hmm. But like, I think partly that is like true to an extent. The higher levels, and they've got that much money. It's, well, it's very, so low impact to them, isn't it? It's just different no, culture, isn't it? They just paid yeah. hundreds of thousands of pounds into their bank every week, even after tax. Like other Brighton just... players going to each other, oh, our owners are doing such a good job. You know, I love their money ball approach and it's brilliant. And they keep finding another 18-year-old Colombian. Yeah. Like, or they just go in like, oh, I can get so much more money if I go to City. Mm. Probably a bit of both, isn't it? But I think ultimately they're probably thinking this 18-year-old Colombia is going to take my spot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's probably with them, it's again, it's Brighton is a great club to come to when you're younger, but it is probably viewed as a stepping stone, isn't it? For that reason, they know (laughs) if they're really good, they'll get that Carcedo or Cucurella move or whatever. Ultimately, you go to Chelsea. (laughs) At some point, you go to Chelsea. That is the move. That's the career trajectory. I'm really happy we got to catch up, Scott. And I I hope this is only part one Mm. of a follow-up we do. Down the line, yeah. When you're playing in this, some of these high levels, maybe obviously you've got a job to do at Yeovil first. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Yeovil hopefully will go up this year. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing that, but top of the league right now. Mm-hmm. Certainly, belong at a higher level than they are yeah. right now. Massive club, and uh, I, I think like the journey you've been on so far and what's happened at Yeovil would be lovely to see you get a run of games in that team, mm-hmm. show everyone at Yeovil and all those fans what you can do. Yeah, because I think you'll be a fan favorite in no time. I mean, he would, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Just hope he gets that chance. To be honest, that's yeah. been there's bit of a misconception around that maybe going to another day has been a been a bit of a shame however scott is just busting to get back on that but i can't wait mate to get you fully fit running at people yeah and goals left right yeah it's coming back in yeah. the fpl team the other thing people don't there, know is there non- actually the other people don't know is we nearly got you to tst last year nearly yeah obviously yeah. the oval deal was in the midst of that time i think I think you'd just gone to yeovil it's over a long period we were talking about it because yeah. obviously we had to confirm yeah. our squads but you'd just gone to Yeovil and it was like a little bit of... You, I was I in that period where it started to become... the owner was, didn't we? It started to become apparent that maybe this ownership thing hadn't quite gone through. Yeah. And we were talking to the what we believe were the owners and we were saying, would this be a possibility? And they said, absolutely, yes. Gave it to us in writing. And then it sort of transcended that they actually weren't the owner. No, so if they'd, they'd been the owner, you might have been there. We probably would have won a million dollars. Probably won a million dollars, mate. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Maybe next time. Well, the, the invite's always there. Obviously, yeah. when you're a contracted player, you've got to respect the club. <laughs> yeah, so we're, no, we're no, see if yeah. we can make it work. And it goes without saying, we've actually, I've actually said it to you offline before, but your career is going to go far. But if anything ever happens, you know this hashtag United spot waiting for you when yeah. you're ready to we come home. in the league. So. Yeah. yeah, we could catch up. Exactly. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. If you yeah. weren't where they were, we'd get in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, I don't need a guarantee from you. Mm-hmm. I've got one from Ben Foster. I've had one from Mackie yeah. But before you retire many, many years from now, yeah. you, you are going to come back at some point. Yeah. No, okay. I, that's, that's, in my mind, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. That's contracted now. I love that. Even okay. if it's your last game as a footballer, minimum, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. get it done. But fantastic stuff, Scott. Listen, wish you the best. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, thanks for And having me. get back on that pitch. Stop bagging them in. Right. That brings us to the end of another episode of How to Run a Football Club. A little bit of a different one, but a really important one. Been great catching up with Scott Pollock. You can keep up to date with his career. Follow him. We'll put the links in the description. Obviously on Instagram. What's your handle on Instagram? Scott underscore Pollock 12. Easy. Yeah. Scott Underboard. What's the 12 about? It's a lucky number. 12, no. Yeah. Has it always been that? Yeah. Never got 77 in the hashtag days. No, no. No. <laughs> I do follow him. I do know that. <laughs> but yeah, make sure you're following Scott and get behind him 
And also, if you want to watch future episodes of this podcast, drop a like, let us know you're enjoying it, let us know in the comments who you'd like to see. And if you're listening, of course, uh, follow us on whatever platform you're on. Leave a rating if you're feeling really generous. It does help you. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.